hello, hello. Welcome to episode three of Home Away from Dome. Got the name right. First try. It's pretty good. Home. Away. From. Dome. Um, yeah, so for those just tuning in, um, I don't know why you'd start on episode three, but this is a Under the Dome a recap podcast um, for the hit show Under the Dome. came out in 2013. Uh, today we're going to be talking about episode three, Manhunt. Um, they're all great titles, um, other than Pilot. Pilot wasn't great. Um, but yeah, so in this episode, there's going to be a manhunt going on, um, and we're going to try and compare uh, the new problems uh, brought up in this episode with uh, the social distancing issues brought up by the current global pandemic. So let's, uh, let's dive right in. The first thing we're doing in this episode is we're going to be looking at the uh, teenagers uh, of Chester's Mill. Um, I don't know if there's any actual children in this town. They almost never show any kids. It's always like adults and teenagers. Uh, maybe it'd be too sad to think about what the kids are doing, um, or it would just make the adults look very irresponsible. Um, but yes, we check in on the teenagers, who are extremely irresponsible. Um, and we check in with Ben, um, I believe that's his name, uh, the skater boy. It's Ben. Ben Drake from AP English. Um, and he has started skating on the dome, like doing a que- uh, 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 treating it like a ramp of sorts. Um, Whoa, Benny! Don't sick, bro. It's pretty cool. I don't know. Uh, I think that's. Uh, I don't know. These kids, they they don't give uh, flying crap that they're in this dome. They they just want to text people, drink, hang out, and uh, skateboard. Um, I think that's true. I think that's what would happen in Toronto as well. I, 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 th- I think all of the teenagers would just be annoyed that they lost cell phone service and then skateboard angrily at the dome. Um, but anyway, um, in fact, wh- one, one of the teenagers even says, uh, I miss texting. Um, I might miss the outside world first. Um, texting is probably on the lower end of uh, the list, but you know different people different strokes anyway uh, that's how the episode starts out Um, so as this is going on uh, if you may remember from the last episode one of our police officers shot at the dome and killed another police officer so we're left uh, Duke Perkins the sheriff his heart exploded Duke's dead Uh, I think Freddy got shot Freddy Freddy Uh, so we're left with the uh I don't want to say crazy cop. Uh, we're left with the uh, survivalist cop. I'll calm down. And Linda, uh, the sheriff. I'm just, I'm just doing my job. So that's all that's left in town. Um, so anyway, uh, Linda's taking the survivalist cop back into uh, qu- uh, police custody. Um, and there's sort of a crowd assembled outside of the town jail. Um, not happy that... Uh, well, I don't know. They aren't happy that this guy is, uh, I guess, being put in jail instead of, like, executed on the street. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> um, Big Jim has a line that he, he says he, uh, like, be calm, citizens. We're just going to let the law do its job. Um, and somebody points out... Law did his job already. Killed an innocent man. Referencing when the crazy police officer killed the other police officer. Um I don't know. I, I just thought that was a, a, such a funny take on the situation. Um, 
Also, Big Jim says that he doesn't want any frontier justice, um, which makes sense. Uh, the title of this episode is called Manhunt, so you can guess where that goes, but he doesn't want any frontier justice. Um, anyway, uh, I forgot this uh, on since rewatching the show because I didn't really remember too much about Linda, but what I'm remembering my running joke when I was originally watching it is that she is the world's worst cop. Um, so she starts off in this episode, um, you know, she's locked up the, uh, the criminal police officer, the, uh, survivalist cop. Um, and the first thing he does at being in the jail cells, he starts coughing. Um, Linda, it's not thinking there could be any ulterior motive, immediately rushes in to help a man who is coughing. Um, and then he immediately... Uh, disarms her and locks her in the jail cell and then takes all the guns and leaves uh, just out to go into the woods uh, and Linda's stuck in there uh, all night um, until Big Jim comes by uh, this is going to become a pattern um, the police in this show are not very effective um, I'm hoping this wouldn't be an issue in our megadome of Toronto but uh, we'll see there's a, there's a line that I liked in this episode where they say, It's the dome that's making you act like this. I don't know. I, I wouldn't blame it on the dome, especially after, I think they are less than a day in at that point. Um, potentially, I guess Barbie slept in the first night. So they're, they're on day two now. So <laughs> I don't know. I think they're jumping to conclusions a bit there. Um, oh, yeah, that was Junior who said that. He, he said that to Angie. Um, She's going crazy because she wants to break up with him, which is crazy. I mean, have you seen Junior? Yeah, no. It's not going to do better than that. Um, well, maybe she'll find somebody who doesn't kidnap her and lock her up in his uh, fallout shelter. But, you know. Um, Junior and Big Jim have a nice talk. Um, in case you're wondering uh, if Big Jim is a good parent, uh, he's not. Um, he's very hard on Junior. He has a line where he says, uh, Nine years it's been since your mother died. And still it's like you're hiding behind her skirt. I don't even need to give too much context for that, but you, it's not really supportive of his son. Um, and for anybody who's been following along, Junior's a pretty assertive guy. Um, I, we probably shouldn't be telling him to be more aggressive and... Uh, I, I don't think he needs any extra testosterone in his life, but I don't know. That's a, that's a big Jim. He's got a, he's got his opinions on things. Um, DJ Phil and Julia have teamed up. Um, so Julia Shumway, the uh, reporter for the Independent, is now reporting the news on the uh, radio. I like this symbiotic thing we got going on, man. Key to a civilized society is a well-informed public the only radio in town so people are listening um not a lot of big news just that they're under a dome yeah. that's that's a good question is in our in our mega dome uh we have a lot of radio stations in toronto so we wouldn't just have one station for one thing but i think we also have tv networks um we might still have some cable you never know um but there's a lot of um i don't know i think at first the news would be very dome oriented but do you, do you think at a certain point that people would stop wanting to hear news about the Dome and we just sort of have to create, like, Toronto celebrities or 
uh, maybe we could have some sports teams or something. I, I think that might be a fun thing if uh, maybe we, we turn like an intramural league into a sort of... Um, <laughs> sort of a pro sports that we could commentate on the news because i don't know dome updates like it'll be interesting for a week but uh it's a big magical dome with no real uh change or uh signs or anything to read from so i would predict after a few weeks uh the news will get a lot more interesting a lot less dome based gotta get those ratings you know anyway oh the cement factory uh, so every season of Under the Dome, um, it sort of tricks you because it's all shot outside and like there there aren't really a lot of sets from what I can tell, but they still act like they're using sets, probably because they are. I'm, I'm not great at judging what a TV show does. Um, but each season they sort of have, you know, there's a Joe's house, Junior's house, there's like the local saloon, um, all that jazz. Um, and then they'll have some sort of set piece. So, uh, like in season two, they go to the school basically every episode, uh, which they never do in season one because they didn't want to buy a set for the school. Uh, in season one, they go to the cement factory, the old abandoned cent cement factory outside of town. Um, so this is the first time that they go there, episode three. Um, and Junior, uh, or more Angie, has the idea. Has anyone tried going under it? People took shovels and tried oh, digging. I mean, way under it. Like through the cement factory tunnels. Uh, the cement factory is right on the border of town. It has a lot of tunnels that only Junior and Angie know about. Um, so she convinces Junior to go into those tunnels um, and see if he can find a way out. Now what's interesting is Junior almost dies. <laughs> like He gets lost and he doesn't have a source of light. Um, and he almost doesn't get out of there. Uh, and I have to assume Angie would know this because she's been there in those tunnels before. But Junior is the only person who knows that she's locked in that cellar, so I can understand sort of sending him to his death because, you know, like, he kidnapped you, or he is kidnapping you. But <laughs> you probably want the one person who knows where you are alive. Um, she doesn't have a lot of food down there, from what I can tell. I assume he's bringing her food. <laughs> Anyway, so that's uh, that's something right there. Um, but yeah, so th that actually raises a good point about uh, people are going to try and escape from the dome. It just makes sense. Now, here here's a thing that isn't immediately clear about the dome. Um, it's a sphere, from from what I can tell. If you're inside, you can't go under it. You can't go over it. You can't go around it. Uh, you must go inside it and stay there. The people in the town are trying to figure this out, and they'll figure that out eventually. Um, but uh, in Toronto, when we put down the giant dome, people also probably have similar ideas. Um, I think they'll be more well prepared for it. Um, the easiest way out of town, I think, would be taking a boat and uh, just going into uh, Lake Ontario. Um, that won't work, of course. You'll just hit the dome, but I think that'll be easy to figure out. Um, I was thinking at first some people might try going into the subway system, but uh, I don't think the subway is going to run as long as the dome is. Um, I don't know if we have any catacombs <laughs> that people are going to be trying to escape through other than the dome. Um, we have a lot of construction in the city, so I'm sure people will try and dig through the dome. In fact, we saw that in the show in episode two. Um, 
I don't, I, obviously none of these things will work. Human technology cannot uh, even hold a candle to the magic dome. Um, but also, I think people will be safe. I, I don't think any of this thing is too risky. I think it'll be demoralizing. Um, you can't beat the dome. Actually, I'll get back to that. You can beat the dome. Um, Junior does a bit later on. Uh, don't Not to get your hopes up, but I just don't want to jump that far ahead. Big Jim checks in with uh, Reverend Coggins. He's okay. He didn't burn to death. Um, they're still doing sketchy stuff. Uh, they confirm that it's a drug trade that they're running. Now the only files left that can implicate us in this drug business. Right here. I don't know what the propane has to do with it. Maybe you can use propane as a drug. Um, I don't think that's what they mean. Like I, I, I feel like you could like huff it, but um, anyway, we'll we'll figure that out. Maybe they just look like propane barrels, and really, it's uh, moonshine. We're gonna find that out soon. Um, okay, now this this is one of my favorite parts of the episode. Uh, Barbie is talking to the owner of the local saloon. Um, he's just hanging out there. His, his sort of plot line in this episode is uh, uh, Julia and him, they realize they don't know a lot about each other uh, because and, and he just lives with her now full time. So uh, honestly, I'd be a little bit concerned if I let a random man into my house who refuses to answer any question. <laughs> like... I don't know. If I had to take somebody in um, in a global emergency, you know, that's that's uh, what it is. But then if I asked them, like, what do you do for a living? And they were like, oh, you know. And I was like, no, really? Like, what? And they're like, well, I'll tell you later. Or why don't you tell me? And just never answer. Because, you know, they're a hitman. Um, <laughs> I would be I would be quite concerned. Um, so that, that's sort of what he's up to. But uh, first off, he's hanging out in the salon talking to the owner. Salon. Saloon? Even saloon isn't really right. It's more of a tavern um, or a bar. A diner. Diner, that's what it is. Anyway, um, so hanging out in the diner uh, and just the owner of the diner, she says... But I haven't seen her since Dome Day. So <laughs> I'm hoping that, that that'll catch on with our dome is people calling the day it went down Dome Day. Um, and I do think that we have a bit of control over that, like... Obviously, we're going to put armed guards at the border of the dome for no reason, um, who won't look at people. But maybe we could also put up like a big sign that says uh, X days since Dome Day. Um, and if they think that the government is calling it Dome Day, I think they'll start calling it Dome Day. Um, I don't know. When I, when I say Dome Day, it sort of sounds like... My name is Doug Dimmodome, owner of the Dimsdale Dimmodome. That's, that's a callback to fairly odd parents for any fans of the show. Maybe we'll do that next. Nah, that was actually a good show. Um, oh, this this I really wanted to touch on. So, Big Jim walks into the bar. He says, uh, everybody stay calm. There's an armed crazy man out in the woods. Um, he single-handedly defeated our police force. Um, we're, we're gonna make a search party. Um, and what's interesting is he actually tells the civilians of uh, Chester's Mill to stay at home. So it's sort of similar to what we're doing now. It's a stay-at-home order except for essential um, employees. Uh, the difference here is, is an essential employee is... And if any able-bodied men are keen to join up. Um, basically, he wants dudes with guns. 
Um, so Barbie is obviously picked, as well as two uh, homophobes uh, we met earlier in the bar. Oh, the girl's reformatory, you mean? Think they can pray the gay out of her? I think they made them, uh, characterize them that way so that we wouldn't care when one of them gets shot later. Um, and, you know, contrast the uh, rural Chester's Mill versus the uh, more urbanite uh, Alice and Carolyn. Um, anywho. Uh, so that's something to consider is in a dome-like scenario um, let's say that um, we need to do a manhunt or something there will be potentially uh, social distancing um, for different reasons um, now for me this would be a plus because it doesn't apply to able-bodied men so I would be able to walk outside um i just need to hold a rifle it seems uh, they, they, they didn't seem particularly good at it check your privilege as a as a that's the pro as a con uh most people would be stuck inside while there's a manhunt going on um and i would most likely get shot um i don't know it's it, it it's a numbers game like uh it's nice to go outside um, but not everybody goes outside and I have to hunt down a, a criminal. And if Under the Dome is like any uh, indication of who I would be doing with, it would be with other criminals, uh, homophobes, and Big Jim. Uh, I don't know what the Toronto equivalent of Big Jim is. Um, like, the person running the city might be like John Tory, um, but he's much more closer to like a Doug Ford type of personality, you know, like a uh, car salesman turned politician you know everybody likes him um, the type of guy you'd want a beer with I don't know anyway so that would be my uh, hunting party man hunting party yeah <laughs> anyway uh, so that's just a little note on social distancing versus social doming or more accurately social distancing in social doming Oh, we come back from commercial, uh, and DJ Phil is giving an update on what's going on. Um, it's very clearly just he's giving exposition to the audience. Like, he's like... This is Phil Bushy with an update concerning the ongoing manhunt in town. Former Deputy Paul Randolph's squad car has been spotted off the road at Black Ridge Woods. All Chester's Millers are under an advisory to stay home until the situation is resolved. But what's interesting is... Um, I don't know. The guy is, they know he, the guy has a police car, uh, and there's only one radio station in town. So I don't know why they'd be broadcasting the current plan from the police department. Um, like, it'd be tough for him not to hear what they're doing. But anyway, um, especially because they didn't know where he was exactly. Like, they just guessed he was in the woods because he likes the woods. But anyway, they go to the woods. Our, our dream team of. Big Jim, Barbie, and two guys with guns. Uh, I, had a, I had a note here where I said, Barbie looks like his grandma kissed him, then smudged it. Um, and I stand by that. Um, Barbie, as you remember, beat up Junior in the last episode, but he got a few licks in. Um, so he has what I believe is supposed to be like a cut on his face, but it looks like somebody just kissed him on the cheek and then smudged the lipstick around. Um, it, it, that is to say it just looks bad it doesn't look very tough uh there was an advisory um i believe it was about uh fuel uh a lot of people are using generators uh, i think they're cut off from the grid but uh, it's a rural town with a lot of generators um 
By the way, just to give a bit of context on Joe's storyline this episode. It's Joe, right? Yeah, McAllister. Uh, Nori ran away from her parents and moved in with him. Not usually a mooch, but without my music, I can get a little, you know, super bitchy. Can I refuel at your place? Because Joe is an empty house, because his parents are uh, out of the dome and his sister's been kidnapped by a crazy person. So he's got a lot of room, and uh, Nori comes in, and, uh, you know, they're, they're two teenagers, unsupervised. Uh, they don't get into any trouble, but you can tell, like, it's like, ooh, maybe they will. Um, uh, anyway, the teenagers of Chester's Mill, uh, seeking a party, as that is their only goal in life, uh, turn Joe's house into a house party. Um, and they eventually blow the generator. Um... Joe, being the straight edge uh, guy of the group, says something along the lines of, What about the whole advisories to stay inside thing? Dude, it's the apocalypse. Advisories don't apply. And that's true. It's going to be really difficult for us to uh, enforce local bylaws while this dome is up. Um, jaywalking, I expect to go through the roof, um, littering, loitering, squatting. I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of things that are going to be tough to enforce. Um, they most likely are going to stop paying provincial and federal taxes uh, while they're in the dome. Um, I, I guess it's a pipe dream that they'd still be paying like city taxes. But, um, so this could have a, a rippling effect on the rest of the country because Toronto is so um, important to the economy. Um, and now they aren't going to be paying taxes or following the law. They'd be a lawless society. Um, yeah, so Skater Boy brings up a great point there. Social doming, it's going to be tough to enforce the law. Especially just uh, the nitpicky ones. Murder, you know, I, I like to think that we can enforce that even if Chester's Mill is having a tough time. Uh, back to the manhunt, the homophobe one gets shot, um, and then homophobe two has to take him away. Um, that, the, the reason I know they're homophobes is because they were complaining about um, the two Nori's two mums. Um, it's not just an assumption I made about um, people in rural communities. Unlike the writers of the show. <laughs> um, oh my god, this is my favorite part of the episode. Even better than Dome Day. Uh, Junior is in the cement mine, uh, and Julia is sneaking around behind him. Um, and Junior sees light coming out, and he goes, I found a way out. And then he immediately walks into the dome because he's an idiot um he didn't find a way out of the dome he just you know it's invisible it's tough to see sometimes anyway so this is where junior beats the dome because he pulls out both fists and he just wails on it for about i don't know 10 15 seconds um bloody knuckles um yeah i beat on that thing stood up and beat on it until the lights went out angie because i love you so I, I said last week I was going to keep an updated list of fighters. Uh, so uh, Barbie's staying in first place. Winner. Feels bad to put him down if he hasn't uh, uh, fought anybody this episode. You know, you got to have a chance to defend the title. Uh, Junior's going to go down to third. K.O. Um, with the Dome getting second place. Uh, the Dome had great defense. Junior could... Junior landed a ton of punches, but uh, the dome didn't budge. Um, I'm not putting it up to number one, uh, mostly because Barbie wasn't in the fight, and because Barbie um, Barbie murders his opponents. The dome uh, just gave Junior a good beating. Uh, Peter Shumway still in fourth, um, not making a lot of progress. I don't think he's going to move out of last place. Anyway, uh, we'll we'll keep you updated on how that list goes. 
Oh, there's a shot that I think they actually just took out of Lost. Um, Linda's walking through the woods, and she's looking for somebody, and then the leaves rustle, and then a pig runs out. Um, like, it's it's just out of Lost. Like, it, it, it does not... Anyway, I, I'm a big fan of Lost. I, I think it was a... Uh, a great show um, and this time unironically um, I, I don't think it ended great but I think that it did a lot of things right um, and I, I'm going to continue referencing it because whenever I think of these spectacle shows uh, I think of Lost first as the one who did it best um, no other show got Emmy buzz and any like Fringe never got anything Orphan Black I guess got some acting stuff under the dome like none of these high concept shows they ever high concept hour-long dramas they, they never do that well but lost was um and it, when it was good it was very good uh under the dome when it was good uh <laughs> it's very very good <laughs> oh man um so joe and nori uh they're still at the house party um the never-ending house party uh <laughs> and uh skater boys talking about how nori totally digs joe um I don't, I don't get it, but <laughs> seems like she does. Uh, and he makes sure to point out, don't tell her about your seizure, man. Chicks don't dig seizures, um, which I thought was a bit, uh, a bit rude. Um, and also very convenient so that the two people who had a seizure and said the same weird thing don't tell each other. Um, luckily, that, that'll get resolved by the end of the episode. But anyway, chicks don't dig seizures. So Junior and uh, Julia... You'd think that because they just both wandered into the cement factory willy-nilly that it wasn't that risky, but now that they're trying to find their way out, it's a, it's life and death, um, and they are both thinking that they will die in the cement factory, uh, which is pretty pretty crazy, but whatever. Uh, Junior says, We're trapped down here, we're trapped out there. What's the difference? To which Julia uh, decides to just start telling her life story about how she used to be a reporter in Chicago um, and she she basically didn't do enough fact checking and got run out of town um, I think it was maybe supposed to be inspiring or just keep moving forward was the idea we just keep moving forward I don't know those type of lessons are better in a less life or death situation like when, when I when I'm in a cave I know I need to keep moving forward I don't need a metaphor about keep moving forward in life but if you're a writer, you know, it's, it's a great, great opportunity. This was a comment that Lindsay made. We watched this episode together. Uh, probably not going to do that again, but it was fun. Um, basically, uh, the whole the teen house party ends with all of the teenagers uh, plugging in their phones, and then the generator uh, blows, and they all leave. Um, but they all just leave immediately. Nobody, ever, nobody even picked up their phone that they were charging, so it's going to be awkward when they all come back a few minutes later. Uh, they're like, oh man, I missed test texting and my phone. Oh, I didn't even I didn't even write notes for this, but basically, uh, Barbie and uh, Big Jim they end up uh, shooting or they catch the psychopath, and then Linda comes out of nowhere and shoots him. So, you know, it, it's a good uh, team effort by all three. Uh, Linda has some competency as a cop by shooting her uh, former teammate. Maybe you'd want to arrest him. I don't know. It's uh, it's frontier justice now. Um, there's a, a nice part here where Big Jim uh, describes why he's called Big Jim. And because uh, if you're familiar with, um, I believe it's 
Dean Norris, um, the actor who plays uh, Jim. He's not that tall of a guy. Um, so he tells a story about how uh, when he used to play football, somebody would bully him and call him Big Jim as a joke. Uh, and then Jim basically tackled him so hard he broke his pelvis. Guess what? Big Jim wasn't a joke no more. I don't know how that turned into him becoming like the most likable guy in town, but it's a good story to tell to uh, intimidate your friends, which is what he was doing with Barbie. Anyway, the, the, the story ends up with uh, Jim and uh, uh, Barbie meeting up with Junior and uh, Julia, who both had their own adventures, one hunting people and one in the salt, I always want to say salt mine, cement factory. Basically, Julia doesn't trust Barbie because Junior said that he's a, a, a sketchy guy and that he beat him up. Um, from Julia's perspective, Junior is a complete psychopath with bloody knuckles who, like, v- was very threatening to her in that cave. Um, but you know what? Barbie's also an unknown, so maybe she thought, I don't know, the enemy of my enemy is my uh, enemy as well. Anyway, one, one note I just wanted to put in. Uh, Julia and Junior both wore leather jackets in this episode, so they were very matching. Linda, at the end of the episode... Uh, lies down in her jail cell uh, which I guess she just got used to because (laughs) she got locked in at the last night Um, and she puts on Duke's old hat like he used to and falls asleep in the jail Um, it's very sad Um, it doesn't mean too much because Duke only had about 10 minutes of screen time before he died so um, she's literally doing one of the only things we ever saw Duke do but it's clear that she is now the new sheriff in town Okay, so the last thing I wanted to cover uh, and how we end the episode is uh, Nori's parents show up um, and they're like, uh, what is my daughter doing here? Uh, and Joe's like, what? She, she has parents? I, I thought they uh, they weren't here. And Nori's like, oh, man. Anyway, they, they touch and they start having seizures at the same time. Um, and they go... It looks pretty goofy when there's two of them doing it. I actually, I skipped past the interesting part of that scene. Um, they show that they're bonding by talking about that they like the original Star Wars movies. That thing blew up like the Death Star. Yeah, but the Empire rebuilt the Death Star in the Return of the Jedi. It was almost fully operational. I like nerds. I just want to comment how much I hate that um, trope. And I feel like they do it all the time, is have kids and teenagers in 2020 or 2013 even, um, uh, talk about how cool Star Wars Episode 4, 5, and maybe 6 are. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm I around the age that um, Joe and Nori would have been probably a, a little bit older, but I, I never really... Like, Star Wars was fine. I watched a lot of the prequels, as bad as they are. Um, and I, I, I thought that the originals were probably fine movies. Um, and they aren't really movies that I relate to too much. Um, I don't know. I just find that, like, writers, like, the people writing this episode are probably around the age that they loved Star Wars, and they were like, oh, man, it's the greatest, those movies are just classics. It's just always so ingenuine to me when when teenagers are saying that, and and they're still doing that. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) that's my gripe. Okay, Um, this was an interesting episode. Um, A lot happened. Uh, We've sort of got branching paths and uh all that um what are the key takeaways from this episode 
Um, people are going to try and escape our dome. We're okay on that front. Uh, I don't think there's any inherent risk to that. It's just going to be demoralizing. Um, we might need to implement frontier justice in the dome around Toronto. Um, and also potentially social distancing um, inside of our social dome. A lot of cons to that and a few pros. Um, squatter parties, um, that's, that's how I describe these teenage parties where a bunch of teenagers come into a house that's no longer being used and charge their phones. Um, that's going to be a big thing happening. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Not a lot of big wins for the dome other than when it beat up Junior. Uh, social distancing is looking pretty good so far. But we still have probably 36 more episodes, so we're going to find out more as we go. Uh, next episode is called Outbreak. So it, it took four episodes, and now a plague is going to sweep uh, Chester's Mill. Um, this will actually be very helpful, because maybe I can find uh, how they solve the issue in 42 minutes, and uh, I'll pass that on to my MP. Um, but until then, uh, thank you for listening. Probably going to release this one with the rest. This will be the end of the first batch. But um, yeah, so feel free to uh, reach out. Um, this podcast is not big enough that you wouldn't be listening if you don't know me, so <laughs> reach out to me however you want. Um, would love to hear feedback or even just uh, comments on, uh, I guess that's still feedback. All right, signing off from Chester's Mill. Bye. Bye.